0: You see like God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt God has delivered us out of 2018 (laughs) and he's taking us to the promised land and to the vast possibilities to those who will believe turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 43 God is good we got to remind ourselves that we've already won the moment we made him Lord. God's always doing something good. In Revelations 23, 21, I think, verse 3 or somewhere it says, somewhere in there it says, Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. He's always just making things new. And in Isaiah 43, he's just got through describing a, a bunch of wondrous signs and things that he had done in the past. He was, you know, uh, telling of all his stuff from the past. And in verse 18, he says, but forget all that. <laughs> I love it. Look at your neighbor and say, forget all that. I know I've done stuff that y'all couldn't even believe could be possible, but but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And see, God is always saying that. You think you've seen it all. You ain't seen nothing yet. God ain't even begin to show his power. Where was you at when he put the mountain goats on the side of the hill? (laughs) Where where was you at when he flung the stars into existence? What is he going to do next? He says it's not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't sit there and think hard enough to to figure out how wonderful it's going to be when we get to heaven. Forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. God is always doing something new. As a church, we're always trying to hold on to the old things that worked back in the 80s or something. But we got to be ready to move with the Lord. He said, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Ain't nothing stopping me. There's no limitations on God. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no limitations on God. God's always doing something new. And here we are at the first of a new year. God's always giving new first. Every morning, the sun's going to come up again. And it's going to be a new day. Before you know it, the calendar's flipping over and it's a new month. Then after a while, here we go. It'll be 2020. We'll be seeing clearly by then. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there is a season. God knows what he's doing. There, He works in waves that we don't understand. There's ebbs and flows like in the ocean. There's tides. God gives and then he taketh away. But he's coming back again. You just got to be, you got to be, oh, you got to be working with the Lord. You can't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. You can't be out there on the ocean with, uh, like a double-manded mind, unstable in all his ways and, and tossed by the waves of the ocean. You need to be having your feet on the, solid ground of Jesus' word. God gives rain to wash the streets. How many of you was like like me? I'm I'm tired of this rain. But see God knows what he's doing. If it was up to us it would never rain. But God washes the streets for us. And in the morning we have dew on the ground. We know not how, but it's watering the grass. God is always doing something. He lives outside of time, but he's put us in time. He's put us, he's made our life incremental. You know why I think he done that? Because he knows we're going to mess up blocks of it. (laughs) And he always gives us a fresh sunrise a new season, a new time, a new, what's that word? It almost came to me. A new, propensis, it's one of those big words. I wouldn't know what it meant anyway. All right. He knows we always need to start over again because we mess things up. I mean, we can be going good, but it's at some point we're going to mess it up and we're going to feel like we need a new beginning and God's going to give it to us. He has chopped things up, seasons and stuff in our life, so the next morning, you know, sorrow may be in the night, but joy is coming in the morning. And so change is good when it's godly change. And we need to start over with a clean slate. First John 1, 8 and 9, I'm sure you. You hardened, next-level bunch Christians know what that says. I'm sure we've all got that memorized. It says if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Hello? You ever seen anybody that claims that they don't sin? They lying and sinning right then. But! Now this is the but you need to get in the right place. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Or the King James says, from all unrighteousness. Everything that's not right in our life, he cleanses us. He throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. Cast it into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers it no more. Thank you, Jesus. New start. Clean slate. Can we watch that video real quick? I'm going to try to get us out of here in some reasonable section of time. If only I could go back and change something, set straight. I wish I had a duel. I've made choices. I've lost out. I've wished a thousand times I could go back and try again. It's hard not to imagine what might have been. If I had just stopped to think. If I had just done as I was told. If I hadn't thought I knew it all. Why didn't I just take a few deep breaths? Took one second to listen. Maybe my life would be better. Maybe there wouldn't be such a high price to pay. Things would be different now. I wouldn't have so many regrets. But is everything lost? Can I just get a do over? Is there a way back to new beginnings? Because regret can mean a new beginning. When it's given to the one who produces a repentance. A repentance that delivers me from my grief. The one who takes my mistakes. And somehow redeems me through them. Who tells me? I am not the sum total of all my regrets. He tells me not to look back. Because there's nothing there to see. I am not my mistakes. He is faithful and just to forgive me. I just have to ask him and then i can look straight forward forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead and walk away with all regrets erased by the sacrifice of jesus christ every day i'm given a clean slate a clean slate i get a clean slate the scripture says his mercy is new every morning we get a clean slate Peter said, I go a-fishing. He made a mistake. He thought it was over. He was running back to his old life. But guess who came hunting him down? Jesus. He don't want you running from him. He restored Peter. What? How awesome is it that Jesus came after Peter and, and restored Peter? He, he came to Peter. Peter should have just run to Jesus. But he ran away. What about David and Bathsheba? You know, King David, he had a listed affair with a married woman named Bathsheba. Got her pregnant. And then he started trying to think of ways so that nobody would find out. And he had her husband killed. Our beloved King David, the one that says this is a man after God's own heart, he's a murderer and an adulterer. But God said he was a man after his own heart after this happened. How is that? Because, see, David, he knew to always run to God. How many people do I see as a pastor, especially young Christians? They get excited about the Lord and they're so on fire and they're coming every Sunday but then they have this one blowout one weekend or they do something just terrible and and they just think it's over. And they think, I'm the only one who's ever sinned against God like this. And even out of a sincere heart, they run from God. And God has to spend the next 20 years chasing them back down. David And Bathsheba had a child out of that union. And the child was sickly and the child was dying. And David knew it was because of his sin. And David put on sackcloth and ashes. And he wouldn't eat, wouldn't shave, wouldn't shower. And all his handlers, you know, the people that stay around, all the king's men, were worried about David. He's not eating. And the, the child's still alive. What's he going to do if this child dies? It's, I mean, it's going to put him over the edge. And then the child died. And nobody wanted to tell David. Man, we're not telling him. I'm not going to be the one responsible for him killing himself uh, over this news. And David had to overhear them talking and walk up on them and says, the child's dead, isn't he? They're like, yeah. And to their surprise, David went and shaved, took a shower, put on some fresh clothes, and went and got him something out of the fridge. They were like, we, didn't, we don't understand, David. You were so upset. And now that the child's died, you're not, you're not mourning anymore. See, David never questioned would God forgive him. David said, I was in mourning as a show of repentance to God. In hopes that maybe God would change his mind about the wages of my sin. But once the child died, then I'm running back to God. I'm not going to stay in this state. And so he cleaned himself up. And that's when he wrote, if you studied out for yourself, that's when he wrote Psalms 51.10. That's so awesome. So powerful. When he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. You have to understand this is a murderer and an adulterer who just lost his child. And he writes, create in me a clean heart, O God. He's meaning this. He says, renew a loyal spirit within me. Renew, because I know you're the God that makes new. And I used to have a clean heart, but I messed it up. But I know you will renew a loyal heart in me, so I won't do this again. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, we, we don't have a chance without joy. Joy of the Lord is our strength. If we're going to get down on ourselves and we're going to live under such condemnation all the time, there's no joy in our Christianity we're going to see ourselves as sinners low down, no good. We're going to identify with that. And every time temptation comes, we're just going to give in because that's who I am. And there's no fight in us. Romans says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who will follow after the Spirit. But you got to follow after the Spirit, not run away from the Spirit. Man, I'm preaching real good, and I don't even know why. Then he said, then I'll teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you My life is not finished. I still have purpose. I got to keep myself together so I can help somebody else. What about the thief on the cross? Man, I ain't got time to really go into a lot of this. I got to hurry up. But the thief on the cross, he ain't done nothing good his whole life. I mean, since he's been up on the cross, all he's done is railed on Jesus and and sided with the people who crucified him and took sides against Jesus for no no reason. But I guess somewhere along the line, he's up there on the cross and that love of God in the flesh sitting next to him, the spirit of God right next to him changes his heart enough that he says, all right, fellow down there, just hush up. We were wrong. This guy ain't done nothing. Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said, yep. I tell you today that you will be with me in paradise. See, I think they put the comma in the wrong place there. Some some people stress over the idea that it says today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus hadn't even resurrected and gone to the Father yet. So they're saying, how is that? That's a contradiction. No, the comma's in the wrong place. You know, the the punctuation was added by man later. It might not be uh, inspired. (laughs) The punctuation, if you just move the comma, there was no comma in the original text. I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Not, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. I just had to throw that in there. I'll just clarify that for you, for those of you who are struggling. If if there's a contradiction in your mind about the Word of God in several passages, or something that you think that you see an error in the Word of God, the error is on your part. You hadn't studied it out yet. You hadn't studied. God hadn't given you revelation on it yet. I don't know why I got off on that. But the the man on the cross, he simply turned to Jesus. He didn't turn away. He stopped turning away. He had turned away from God his whole life. And look where it had gotten him. But the moment he turned to Jesus, his eternal destination changed. Isaiah sixty five seventeen says, For behold, I created a new heavens and a new earth, God says, and the former shall not be remembered or even come to mind. God's going to create a place, like she said, there were no more tears, no more sorrow. It's, it's going to be such a, a wonderful place, a new heaven and a new earth. That this life that we're living, these struggles, this light affliction that we're going through, the Bible calls a light affliction, but is but for a moment. This valley of the shadow of death that we're walking through, we won't even remember it. I ain't even thinking of it. When we've been in heaven just a couple of minutes, probably, much less we've been in there a couple thousand years, we're going to say, well, don't you remember, way I don't even remember that no more. We won't even remember the things of old or they won't come to mind. But I'll tell you what, that other thief on the other side of Jesus, the one who refused to repent, the one who shunned the mercy of God, he'll never partake of this new heaven or this new earth. And his past will never be behind him. It'll always be sitting there staring him right in the face. It'll be staring at him and it will haunt him every second of the eternity that he is founded on regrets. You can't he can't he can't put his past behind him. He's gonna remember the chance that he had like the other thief, but he didn't take it. Our God is the God of the do over. Until it's over. And we don't know when it's over. What is true repentance? It's more than just talk. Matthew 3.8 says. John the Baptist says. Prove by the way you live. That you have repented of your sins. And turned to God. I know what you're saying. But prove by the way you live. Let me see Fruits. Of repentance. (laughs) Biblical repentance means to turn from evil and to turn to good. Just a simple turn. I was going in the wrong direction. This thief over here says I was going in the wrong direction and I kept going. But this thief over here was going in the wrong direction but he turned to Jesus. God reasoned with the Israelites, and in Isaiah 30, 15 he says, This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. In many places he talks about a stiff neck people. He calls them stiff necked, that they they won't turn. What do you if you got a stiff neck, you can't turn. That just came to me. But it's the truth. In repentance and rest is your salvation. You turn to Him, and in turning to Jesus, you can rest. Because you put your faith in Him, your faith is secure. You're not, you're not all busy in your mind wondering, well, I wonder if I go to heaven. No, you can rest. Because you know in whom you have believed. In quietness and trust is your strength. Your faith is your strength. But you would have none of it. Jesus told Peter, everybody knows this story. Peter said, how many times do you want me to forgive somebody that that sins against me? Seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, not seven times. Seven times, 70 times in a day. 490 times in a day. And so when people hear that scripture, they're thinking to myself, I can get away with 490 sins in one day and God will forgive me. That's not what that scripture says. That's not what that scripture says. That scripture says that you are to forgive somebody 490 times, not sin 490 times. Jesus hadn't dealt with the one who sinned 490 times. He's talking to the one who's wondering how many times he's supposed to forgive somebody. So don't be going presuming on that scripture. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all grown folk in here. You know, I, I see people from my old high school and stuff. they 50, 60, 70 years old. They still in the smoky nightclub trying to score on some drugs for old girl or have some fornicating going on and their faces all wrinkled up from all the years in the smoke. Like they, they a smoked turkey or something. <laughs> Look and I'm thinking I mean even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then, you should at least come to the realization this ain't working. Your life is all jacked up. Your health's all messed up. You ain't got nobody that's coming to your funeral. And you still think that this is the life for you? We grown folks. <laughs> and, Hadn't we figured out that the wages of sin is not really the payday we want? Hadn't we figured out that it all, sin always comes with a payday? That we don't want? It's got a hook in it. I mean, how long do we got to go till we figure that out? Some of us ain't too bright. And God's never going to be okay with sin. And you're not going to be the exception to the rule. You're not going to be the one that gets away with it. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. Every time. Whether you're his favorite or not. I'm his favorite. Ephesians 4.21 says, Since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, that stuff you used to do, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the spirit, the big S spirit, that means the Holy Spirit, renew. There's that word again. God's all about the new. He wants to make you new. He came to make you new. Instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then Apostle Paul says in Acts 1730, he says, truly the times of ignorance, God. These times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. There was a time you didn't know any better, but it ain't now. It ain't no more. Don't use that excuse. Are we trying to be like the thief on the cross? Are we, or, or even this thief on the cross? We just... Well, I'm just gonna wait till the last minute, and I'm gonna skip in right under the buzzer. Uh, then I'm, you know, I'm gonna just wait. Why would you want to be known as a thief? Why wouldn't you want to live, walk, and talk and know Jesus and experience the best part of Christianity? You know, Judas might have thought that I can just get saved later. Judas kind of knew that. I think Jesus is the one. I'm not sure. But I'm going to get this 30, 30 pieces of silver and then if he turns out to be the one, I can always repent later, I bet. I know Jesus is forgiven. But you don't know what sin does to you. man. once he turned, didn't, that just came to me, didn't Jesus say what you're going to do, go do quickly? And it says that the devil entered into Judas. So you're thinking right now in my straight mind, with the, without being demon-possessed, I'll make good decisions, and before I, get, before I die, I'll give my heart to Jesus on my deathbed. Not nobody in here, but whoever's listening to this in the podcast. But you don't know how squirrely your thinking will become. And besides... Didn't Jesus say something about having oil in your lamps and he could be back any minute? I wouldn't even want to miss Wednesday service. <laughs> what if Jesus came back tonight? I'd be glad I was the one in the church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I didn't want long. I'm going to finish on this scripture, all right? Matthew six thirteen. Go ahead and turn there. I bet you know, I bet you can quote this one. I bet you everybody in here can quote this one. I bet you can quote the scripture that comes before it. All of us former Catholics, we can quote this and Hail Mary too. Matthew six thirteen. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We should say that every day. And and I think God meant for us to say that every day because they said, teach us how to pray, Lord. And he says, pray this. And it's a daily prayer because he talk, earlier in the prayer they said, give us this our daily bread. So it's some, these principles that he gave us to pray out, to th- pray for the things you need, pray for this and pray for that, and pray that you enter not into temptation, leave me not into temptation, that's something you should pray every day. Deliver me from evil. You know there's weak spots in your life. You know there's places that the devil has maybe still a a few strongholds built up or or, or at least there's a weakness in your flesh and a propensity to sin in an area. And you need God. See, God doesn't tempt any man to sin. But he sure would deliver us out of the temptation. And we need to ask him, deliver me from, from temptation. Don't let me even go that direction. See, we get in trouble when we get drawn away from God's plan. And enticed by our own lust. We get drawn away. But he said, Draw nigh to me. Don't draw nigh to the devil. Devil? Don't draw nigh to the devil. Give us our daily bread, Lord. You know why? For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power. All that belongs to him. And we want to walk in that. We want to walk in this everlasting kingdom. We don't want to get drawn away into the kingdom of this world. Because th- it's going to be part of the old world. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the righteousness will rule and reign from the throne himself. And we want to be part of his kingdom. We want to reflect his glory. We want to walk in his power. I'm just preaching now. Now y'all lo- I didn't went too long and but maybe you started out this year, the new year. You was excited last Sunday when you heard the message, man. You was telling yourself, "This is going to be my year. Me and the Lord, we're going to be like this. It's, I'm I'm going to serve the Lord better than I ever have." But but Monday night came along, and all your friends was going to the club, and it just. I want to serve the Lord, but I'll start again. I'll start a Tuesday, and then and then. I'm just being real. And it and it's really, really sad because this is in a church. You'd expect it maybe somewhere else. But but then Tuesday, on New Year's Day, a whole bunch of people showed up to pray on the first day of the year. That's how you start the year. But let me say this in closing. Whether you the people that came Tuesday, or you as the people gone out on Monday, you gotta choose this day whom you're gonna serve. Tomorrow, you're going to have to get up in the morning and say, leave me not into temptation. And you're going to have to maintain. You're going to have to be so busy about the Lord's work. You're going to have to get some momentum going forward in 2019 that you're so busy about the Lord's work that you, you don't even want to get distracted. This can be our year. But we're going to have to work some discipline into our lives. We're going to have to, we're to, have to decide. We're going to have to make some firm decisions. If you want something different this year, you've got to make firm decisions about change. That I'm going to run to Him. I'm going to keep running to Him. I'm going to keep asking Him to deliver me from sin. Uh, and uh, I'm going to do the things that I know to do. I'm going to be in church when the doors are open. I'm going to pray. Always. And, and I'm going to read the Word of God, which is the power in my life. That's feeding my inner man, my spirit man. That's building me up to resist temptation and to overcome. Do those basic things and you shall live. You shall truly live the life, the real life. And you won't be ashamed on Judgment Day. And I know that's what you want. We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We have overcome. We have overcome. But we got to walk in it. We got to walk in it. Is there anybody in here that, you, if this roof caved in and one of those metal rods up here hit you in the head and you died and you're not sure if you'll go to heaven or hell, but you want to know, you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, would you raise your hand to the world's worst altar call and say, I don't care what he's saying? <laughs> I still want Jesus because it, it ain't about me, it's about you and God anybody if anybody's unsure about your salvation, you have some questions: how do I get saved? How do I make my life right with God? I'm not sure if I will go to heaven. I'm just, you know, and you'd like to ask me in private. I'll be up here a few minutes after the service. Love to talk to you. And uh, we started off this service praising God. Can we stand and just praise Him for a few more seconds? We need a head start. We need to do this every day. Every day. Get up in the morning. Our Father, whoo, which art in heaven, hallelujah, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. And forgive us our trespasses. What is the rest of it? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you you for the victory. We love you. We want to serve you. Our heart is to do right. And though we're weak, Your spirit in us is strong. And we're going to work on this spirit, man. And we're going to draw nigh to you. And and when we sin, we're going to run back to you. And we're going to confess it and get it under the blood. And we're going to keep moving. And we're not going to get under condemnation this year. We're We're going to walk in victory. And the closer we walk with you, the more assured we are of it. We're not the same old people we used to be. Behold, all things have become new. If that's your prayer, just give Jesus one last hallelujah. Hallelujah! You're released. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word.